hold on eternal life, whereunto we have all been called. And he says, and have professed a good profession uh, before many. And so we understand that this fight that we are in, this not, it's not a fight with one another. It's certainly not a fight with the government. It's not a fight with anything that is of the natural, of the flesh. But the fight of faith, according to Ephesians 6 says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But we do wrestle against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against wicked spirits in high places. And then he goes on to say, because of that battle that we are in, in Ephesians 6, it says that we are to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And that we are to take unto us the whole armor of God. So that we may be able to successfully stand up against the strategies, the deceits, and the wiles of the enemy. He says, and having done all to stand, we are, there to, we are to stand therefore. And then Paul is writing this letter to the church at, at Ephesus. And Paul is in prison in Rome. Bernard and I were in that prison cell that he was in uh, last summer. And Paul is looking up at that Roman soldier with all of the uh, weaponry that he had and with all of the armor that he had. And so he began to glean spiritual analogies by the Spirit of God who gave him revelation concerning the armor that the soldier was wearing and the armor that you and I are to put on and to keep on. This armor that we have been given by the Lord is not something that we are to put on in the morning and then take off before we go to bed. No, we're there to be clothed with the armor of God. And so I'd like for us to pick it up at Ephesians 6, 14, and then we'll pray. Ephesians, the sixth chapter, and notice with me in verse 14. Father, we thank you tonight for the word of the Lord. I pray that you would think through my mind and speak through my lips. Lord, use me to be a blessing to these people tonight. May the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you flow freely. And may each and every one of us be comforted and edified and strengthened and encouraged through your word tonight. And we give you praise ahead of time for it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen. Amen. So, like I was saying, verse 14, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. We talked about the Roman soldier, how that his loins were girt about with this uh, girdle around his midsection that would really hold up the rest of his armor. And, of course, what we are to be girded with, if you would, is the truth, the word of God. And so it is the truth then that deflects the flaming missiles of the wicked one. It is the truth that keeps us out of being deceived. It is the truth of God's word that is light and life. And it absolutely keeps us free from contaminating forces that would come against us. Are you glad for the truth? Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall do what? The truth shall set you free. And I've discovered this, that after all these years of being born again since 1975, the truth will keep you free. And it's important to be set free, but then it's also important to be kept free. And that's why Paul, talking to the church of Galatia, says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. 
So it's possible, once we've been enlightened and once we've been set free, to go back into bondage. Well, what kind of bondage are you talking about? Does it really matter? Bondage is bondage. And bondage ain't good. Bondage is bad. Probably the, the most devastating bondage a person could be bound with is the spirit of fear. But you've not received the spirit of bondage, again, to fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Daddy, Daddy. And God's not given you and me a spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of faith. He's given us a spirit of power and love. And what kind of mind do we have? We got a sound mind. Amen. There was a time where my mind was all bound up with devils, demons, and evil spirits. But Jesus came and set me free, put his word before me, and the law of the Lord converted my soul. I received with meekness the engrafted word. It saved my soul and brought me from insanity to sanity. Hallelujah. And that comes through the renewal of our minds. But that's not our subject tonight. Look with me at verse 15 of Ephesians 6. Well, go back to verse 14, excuse me. Moving too quick. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on this breastplate of righteousness. Now, we started talking about righteousness last week. And an understanding of righteousness is an understanding of truth. One of the key arrows and flaming missiles that the enemy throws at us is condemnation. Condemnation is a confidence, what? Killer. It's a confidence killer. The enemy would love to gut us with guilt. But now when we really look into the word of God, we understand that this righteousness that you and I have been given freely by him, it's a gift and it's not something that we attain to. It's not something that we work for. He took our sinful condition. So that we might take his righteous condition. And the scripture we looked at last week is 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, for he, that's God, made him, that's Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Glory to God. You have been made the righteousness of God in him. It's not something that you, you worked for. It's not something that you grow into. Now, there are spiritual disciplines and there are character qualities of Christ that we are to develop and we are to grow into. Is that not right? You know, we're to be walking in love. But how many of you know, sometimes we fall off that love walk. We're to be walking in peace. But how many of you know, sometimes we fall off that peace walk. We're to be walking in joy. But if the truth were told, sometimes we yield to depression and sometimes we yield to discouragement. So these character qualities of Christ, they're in you by virtue of the new birth. They're in you by virtue of the fact that you've been brought out of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Jesus is in your heart. So all the characters, character qualities of Christ are in you. But if they're not developed, they can lie dormant. So that's where we begin then, if you will, to work these things out and to walk in these things so that we can grow in them. And don't be discouraged if all you have is a little bud of love right now. You know, maybe you got mad on the way to to church tonight and 
you know, did something or said something you shouldn't have said to somebody on the road. Or maybe your wife, you know. Hey, just repent, turn around, and hit it again. Not that again, but walk in love. (laughs) Develop these character qualities of Christ. And it can be a challenge. Because we're faced with the pressures of this age. We're faced with the pressures of this world all around us. All around us. This world system is flooded with evil spirits. That's why he said, you're not of this world. You're living in it, but you're not of it. And I have placed the greater one on the inside of you so that you would not be brought down by what's on the outside of you. See, if we'll learn to put the greater one to work for us on the inside, we'll be able to declare, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And when that ugly devil shows up in our lives, what do we do? We don't assist him, we resist him. Amen. Amen. Say it with me real strong. I submit myself to God. I I resist the devil. And he flees from me. Now that word flee over in James 4, 7, flee there means run from you as in terror. You need to look at yourself as a demon terrorist. Because, hey, brothers and sisters, when you're clothed with this power from on high, when you're full of the word and full of the spirit and you got the armor of God on, glory to God, when you walk down the street, the devil don't know whether it's you or Jesus inside that armor and he ain't going to stick around to find out. Because he's been whooped by that sword before. Amen. So anyway, how do we get off on all that? You guys just listen so good, it's just so easy to preach. Glory to God. So then, we must awake to righteousness. We must then um, understand that we're the righteousness of God in Christ. And that God has enabled us to live right. I believe the righteousness of God ought to live right. So let's define righteousness again. Righteousness gives us the ability to stand in the presence of a holy God. Without a sense of guilt, inferiority, or insecurities. Just as if sin never existed before. And this righteousness, this right standing with God... As I said, it's a gift, but it must be received. Must be received by what? You receive it by faith. Now, if I had $20 in my pocket, do you have $20 in your purse? Okay, pull it out. Do I get it back? No, it's Reuben's birthday. We've got to give him a gift. (laughs) I'll pay you you out of the 20 you gave me last night at the grocery store. I was a good boy. She gave me $20 allowance. Woo! So, I have a gift for you, Reuben. And happy birthday. Here it is. What did he do? He received it. He received it. Now, now, if I go to say, I have a gift for you, Reuben, and he says, oh, I'm not worthy. And that's what a lot of people do, where righteousness is concerned. Well, my righteousness is as filthy rags. Hello? All of our righteousness is as filthy rags. We all were no good skunks. 
But we ain't no good skunks no more. We're children of God, heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ, in right standing with the creator of the universe. So we need to wash all of that stinking thinking out of our mind and just stop thinking like we're not worthy. Everybody knows you weren't worthy. But Jesus has been made unto you wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. So, you know, you just got to take it by faith. Take your healing by faith. Take the baptism of the Holy Spirit by faith. Take your wealthy place by faith. Yeah, but I don't have a dime in my pocket. We're not talking about what you have in your pocket. We're talking about His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I'm preaching myself happy right now. So, let's wake up. And this righteousness has a work and it will do a work in your life. Let's pull up Isaiah 32 verse 17. Isaiah, the 32nd chapter in the 17th verse, and we, we closed last week with this, of developing this consciousness of right standing with God. It says in Isaiah 32, 17, it says, And the work of righteousness, so it has to work, shall be peace. You just got to know when everything between you and God is all right, and you're right in His sight, and you're doing your best to live right, that ought to give you peace. We don't want to get on a treadmill of works. We don't want to live on a treadmill of legalism. Oh, I've got to please God, so I've got to pray more. I've got to fast more. I've got to do, 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 do. How about just being a child of God? And just being in His presence. And let the loving arms of Jesus love you and lift you. And I tell you, if you enter into that place of rest with Him... And in Him, you will be able to do so much in the kingdom of God. Not out of guilt, but out of, I desire to serve you. I desire to roll up my sleeves. I desire to put my hand to the plow. I refuse to look back. God's done a good work in me. And I just got to tell it. I just got to live it. I just got to do it. When those things spring forth from relationship instead of ritualism and legalism, then that makes all the difference. And so the work of righteousness shall be peace, and the effect of righteousness shall be quietness and assurance forever. We talked also last week that this right standing with God, according to Proverbs 28.1, the scripture says that the righteous are bold as a lion. We're invited to come boldly to the throne of grace so that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. We understand that our consciences have been sprinkled and cleansed by the blood of Jesus and by pure water. And so there is not one thing in us that the blood of Jesus hasn't cleansed us from. Smith Wigglesworth said this, that the Holy Spirit never brings condemnation. He always reveals the the blood of Christ, and He is the lifting power of the church. Listen to this statement. He said, the blood 
of Jesus can reach into the secret recesses of your motives and purposes. And he can cleanse you from all unrighteousness, all iniquity, all sin, all shame, and all guilt. I was guilt-ridden with shame. I was guilt-ridden with condemnation. When I got off of those hard, heavy drugs, it was as if a video player was just going constantly in my mind. I was not born again yet. And I saw all the things that I had done. And I'd seen friends that had died. And I'd seen all the devastation around me. And it ate my lunch. It almost drove me completely crazy. But the eyes of the Lord were running to and fro throughout the whole earth. And he was seeking Mark Thomas. And he was seeking Paul Russian. And he was seeking you. Even though we were just stinkers. Amen. And somehow, some way, we were able to get out of that lifestyle into the kingdom of God. I gave him my old filthy garments. He gave me a cloak pure as white. And I'm feasting on manna from heaven. And that's why I'm so happy tonight. The blood and the revelation of the sabre the cleansing blood of Jesus, it reaches to the highest mountain. It goes into the lowest pits where you and I were and where you were, Raymond, and where all of you really were. Without hope, without Christ, without a covenant, And he lifted us up out of that. And when I got an understanding of righteousness in Christ and an understanding of the power of the blood of Jesus, I don't, I cannot describe it to you. It just took all the shame out of me. It took all the guilt right out of my life and gave me a purpose. And he does the same thing. For every child of God. Let's lift our hands and thank Him. Glory to God. Glory to God. Woo! Thank you, Lord. We are trained that we must work for something. But in Romans 5.17, I want you to look at that in the Amplified Version, if you would. Romans, the fifth chapter, the 17th verse. See, this Bible study, in this setting, we should be not only inspired, but we should also be informed, right? Now look at Romans 5.17 in the Amplified. It says, for if by one man's offense, death reigned by one, uh, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. I'll read the Amplified. It says, for if because of one man's trespass, lapse, offense, death reigned through that one, Much more surely will those who receive God's overflowing grace and unmerited favor and the free gift of righteousness, putting them into right standing with himself, reign as paupers in life. Just barely able to scratch out a living. No, reign as kings. In life, through the one man, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the uh, 
anointed one. Say it with me, righteousness is a gift. Do you know something? You'll never be any more righteous when you get to heaven than you are right now. Glory to God. Now, I'm going to read this from my notes because I want you all to get it. Paul used this illustrations, illustration as kings, because in the day he wrote, they were, there were kings. There aren't many kings left today. And those kings who do remain don't much have authority or power, do they? I mean, really, the king of England doesn't have much power. A lot of pomp, a lot of circumstance, but not much power. But in those days, many nations had kings, and the king's word was the final authority in his domain. We need to grasp this truth, that the word of God says... We shall reign as kings in life by Christ Jesus. Now, what does this mean to us? This means that you and I have authority in this life. That you and I, as part of the kingdom of God, have really, according to Revelations 1.5, have been made kings and priests unto him. And part of this kingdom domain is kingdom dominion. Or, we could say it this way, we have kingdom authority. I believe that the Lord has been waiting on some of you to rise up and use your authority that you have in the name of Jesus and through the word of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit in specific areas of your life. I just can't help but in my spirit just sense that there there are some here tonight. And I'm, I don't know who you are, and it's not really any of my business. But I sense in my heart that in this place tonight, there's people that have been hounded by some things. Just hounded. I don't know hounded by what. But it's something that has been reoccurring in your life. I know one thing that likes to reoccur in people's life so that it can bring much confusion in the midst of a home or much confusion in the midst of the job. It's called strife. In James chapter 3 it says, where strife and envy is, there is confusion and every evil work. Mark it down. When there's strife, there's evil. Now, Keith Moore is going to be here in September for two nights. He's going to be with us on a Tuesday, and he's going to be with us on a Wednesday evening. And he said in one of his teachings years ago, he said this, that the, the Spirit of God spoke to him and said that strife is the manifest presence of the evil one. So... If God is using me to start strife, what that is saying is the enemy is using me. When you yield to strife in your home, in your marriage, in your relationship, or in your friendships, when you yield to strife, you're yielding to the evil one. Now, there is a way for us 
to put those types of things on the run. We should not allow one bit of ill will toward our brothers, toward our sisters, or toward anyone. We should not allow any bitterness to be planted in our hearts so that at a point in time, this bitterness can spring up once it takes root and defile and bring all sorts of hell on earth in your life. That's why he says in Ephesians, he said, let go of all bitterness, of wrath and strife and backbiting. Now, here's the thing about it. If I or you or a person that has been prone to releasing anger and to releasing strife, and if that goes unchecked long enough, it can build a bonfire of difficulty and trouble in your life. Now, let me ask you a question tonight, and I'll try not to be too heavy. I can... I can tell you, some of you got a concerned look on your face. <laughs> Just go, go like this a couple times. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Say with me, ha, ha, devil. <laughs> You're under my feet. <laughs> I ain't yielding to you. No moss. <laughs> but you have dominion over your flesh. You know what the trigger for strife is? It's pride. All right, you're wrong. So, I just sense in my heart, the enemy is being been hounding people. I don't know with what that might be torment, might be strife. But I'm saying all that to say this. We've got a name. I said we've been given a name. I said we've got a name. I said we got a name. This name that I'm talking about is above every name. It is the name of Jesus. That at that name, every other name's got to bow. That means this, strife's got to bow its knee. Mental torment has got to bow its knee. And I just sense the Holy Spirit saying, stop putting up with it. Stop allowing it. For the Lord will allow what we allow. And he will shut down what we shut down. Because part of this kingdom dominion are the keys of the kingdom. He said, and I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth, in other words, whatever you put your foot down. Everyone, put your foot down. Whatever, whatever you bind on earth. In other words, whatever you put a stop to, he says... I'll back you up in heaven. Then he says, whatever you loose on earth, I will loose 
in heaven. So as children of God, as kings and priests under God, with kingly dominion, as the righteousness of God in Christ, here's what I say when I sense things trying to creep into my heart or creep into my mind or creep creep even in. You know the devil's a creep. (laughs) And we have dominion over creeps, right? He said in Genesis 1... Take dominion over creeps, over creep, every creeping thing. But he will challenge you in what he's challenged you before in. Have you found that out? So here's what I do, and you can recognize it, you can sense it, you know, just something's just not right. In your spirit, God's given you the ability to, to discern, has he not? And to know. Here's what I do. A lot of times, I've got to repent. Anybody ever had to repent before? Somebody says, well, I I don't believe in repenting. Well, then, I'm sorry, you don't believe in the Bible. (laughs) I mean, because repent, repent, you better repent about that. That's right. (laughs) You know, I mean, you can get so repentant-minded that you live in a, in a wrong way. But the Bible teaches repentance. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Amen? So when God convicts you and deals with your heart, you know, really before that you can take your kingdom and dominion and kingdom authority, you've got to have a heart checkup. Say, so, Lord, something's not... Right down here. Something's just... You ever had something just scratching on the inside? And you just knew that, ah, man, you know, I, the way I said that was wrong. How I treated that person was just... It, it wasn't right. We could say it this way. It wasn't righteous. It's not those... It's not becoming to those that are righteous in God's sight to act that way. Something's scratching. So many times you just have to say, Lord, God, here I am again, Jesus. <laughs> here I am, Lord. Forgive me. Lord, forgive me. I know better than that. Lord, just I thank you for forgiving me. And then, Lord, I choose not only to ask for forgiveness, but I choose to repent. Because you can get forgiveness from God, but if you never repent, you may be at the altar again tomorrow morning. What is repent? Here's what repentance means. Repentance means to turn the other way. To turn from sin to the sinless one. To turn from lust, amen, to The work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Turn from anger and turn to the peace of God. Here's what I do. I take the name of Jesus. Everyone say the name. name. Matter of fact, let's look over at Philippians chapter 2 verses 9 through 11. This service is going a whole lot differently than I thought it would. But you know, when when you endeavor to follow the Holy Spirit and you pray... Someone's getting something. 
Somebody says, Pastor, I ain't got nothing yet. Well, that's your problem, not mine. <laughs> Philippians 2, verse 9 through 11. Philippians, the second chapter, verse 9 through 11. Let's read it together. Wherefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Everyone say, the name. The name. That at the name of Jesus, read, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. Next verse. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Hallelujah. So here's what I do. When I find out that thief and I find out that rat, I've got to address that in the realm of the Spirit. I'll declare Jesus gave me authority to use his name. He said that which I bind on earth is bound in heaven. That which I loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Therefore, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I bind the principalities, the powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world. I bind and cast down spiritual wickedness in high places. And I render you harmless and ineffective against my mind, against my life, against my finances, against my body, against my family, against the church that I pastor. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And do you know what else you can do? If there is someone close to you, maybe not a family member, or someone on the job that is given to stirring things up and trying to impact your life in a negative way, remember, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But we have authority over evil spirits that that person might be yielding to. And you can take your place in Christ and take your place in God. And you you can declare in the name of Jesus, you foul spirit operating through that person. I command you to desist in your maneuvers right now. I command you to stop in Jesus' name. Years ago when Brother Hagin was here in town... And he'd come and preach for us. The first time he ever preached for us, how many of you were over there at Marina High School back there when Brother Hagen preached for the first time? That's several of you. I can remember going up to, you know, where he was staying in Oakland that morning, and we were eating crackers and cheese. And uh, Brenda and Mrs. Hagen were over in San Francisco shopping, and we were going to meet with him a little bit later. But I, it was just kind of like out of nowhere. I mean, the, the, the man was a prophet of God. And, and when he would, would say things that came from the throne of God, it was like, okay, Selah, I better think about that. I better do something with that. He says, I'm persuaded, pointed my fing- his finger right at me. He says, I'm persuaded that the church, speaking of the body of Christ as a whole, has barely scratched the surface on the authority of the believer that God has given to us. What does that mean? That means that we better get with it. That means we better stop allowing some things. That means we better put a stop to some things and lose some other things. Does the church, the body of Christ, have authority? Does the head of the church want his church to pray 
authoritatively. Does the head of the church want those in right standing with God to pray dynamic, effectual, fervent prayers that will shake things up in this nation? Does the head of the church want us to have church as usual? Does the head of the church want us to be religious and dead and cold? No, the head of the church is looking for some people that will put their gospel shoes on and go. Say it with me, go gospel shoes. (laughs) Man, I wish I had a couple more hours. Glory to God. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Rise up. Rise up. Rise up. Rise up. I sense the Spirit of God saying, rise up. Rise up. Take up your bed and walk. Yield no more to the enemy in that area of your life. Arise, says the Lord, and shine. For the Lord will give you light. Rise up in faith. Rise up with your authority. No longer put up, but rather tell the enemy he's defeated and tell him to shut up. Stop listening to the lies of the enemy and start listening to me. That's what the Lord is saying. Hallelujah. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. How about you? Glory to God. Glory to God. Mm. I sense the Holy Spirit wants this church to rise up stronger. In what area? Well, a lot of areas, but the first area that we need to rise up in is we need to rise up with the spirit of prayer. I believe the Lord witnessed something to me. I don't want to... I don't use the the terminology the Lord spoke to me loosely. But in my heart, I just sense what the Lord prompted me with. And that is this. That the vision that we have needs the fuel of prayer. And here's how it came to me. That prayer fuels the vision. Prayer. The the corporate prayer, the spirit of prayer, is like fuel for the vision. Now, what's that saying? That's saying we can do a lot of things in the natural. We can have a lot of programs. We can have a lot of classes. We can do a lot of outreaches. But if there's not the fuel, if there's not prayer... Backing up every Christian endeavor, then that which is of the flesh is of the flesh. We want Spirit inspired, Holy Spirit inspired. Hallelujah. Spirit of prayer, Raul. Hallelujah. That's what'll do. That's what'll do in the things that are ahead of you. Stand up. The spirit of prayer should come upon you. Hallelujah. And those people that you have oversight over, hallelujah, they shall follow. The spirit of prayer shall fuel what I have on the inside of you. And you'll rise up 
in days ahead. You'll do what the head of the church has said. And you'll rejoice and be glad. And there shall be more than enough. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everyone stand to your feet. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I would be wrong to continue in this teaching tonight without giving you the opportunity to act on what you've already heard. I think sometimes we as preachers are guilty of hitting the right thing to do during a service, but because we have so many notes, we've got to just go on. But you're here tonight, and it's time for you to put your foot down. It's time for you to take your dominion. We could say it this way, it's time for you to take your place. Amen? I get this in my heart, no more space. No more space. Ephesians 4 says, neither give place to the devil. Give him no more space. Hallelujah. Amen. Pastor Tom, come on and help me, brother. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah.